In your opinion, what do you think are some of the best places, countries, or jurisdictions for startups to launch? Obviously, maybe you're biased towards being in France and uh, where you highly are. Highly biased. You, yeah. yeah. Uh, high, <laughs> highly everywhere. biased, but it, it, it's an intellectual bias and an emotional bias at the same time. Uh, so I'd say, I, I, first of all, I've worked in at least 30 different countries uh, in the last 28 years. Uh, okay. Clearly, what drove me early on in my career was the US. I worked in Latin America, in Central America, in other parts of Europe, and everybody has their opinion on that. So clearly I'm gonna be subjective about what I'm gonna be saying. <laughs> uh, we as a team did a lot of research in 2017 prior to deciding on France. And we had four or five candidate countries in which we wanted to settle. And we ended up settling on France after Emmanuel Macron became president of France and radically changed the landscape for startups, coined the term, English term for France, the startup nation, created the French tech label, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I would challenge anyone today into a debate as to which country has done the most and is offering the most for early stage startups and I would challenge him and probably come out a win. I'm a former fighter, so either way I'm gonna win. But in <laughs> this <challenge>. case, <laughs> <laughs> what were the four countries before I before I say that? What were the four or five countries that were on your list? So in in Europe, you definitely need to look at Estonia, mm -hmm. right? Very proactive. Everything is decentralized. You can create a company within 45 minutes, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're looking to raise money. There's mm -hmm. always going to be oh former Yugoslavia for those of us who are old enough, mm -hmm. right? Question mark, right? Small country. If you're building something for the Estonian market, can you really scale it across Europe first, then the rest of the world? Right. Uh, that's that's an issue. Uh, I would say even a small country like Macedonia, two million people, right? Very proactive. Uh, highly skilled engineers coming out of top engineering schools at a, at a low cost, which is important. Yeah. But all things considered. France is a sizable market, 67, 68 million people. Yeah. Uh, it is the second largest economy in the EU zone. It yeah. has tremendous startup incentives. Uh, if you look up French tech investor visa, you have uh, talent passport visas. For example, it took me two weeks to get my Panamanian engineers to France, quote unquote, import them. The day they came, the next day the kids were in school. They were still jet lagged. They came with five kids, three and two. Right, so a lot of the barriers of entry, because if I mention any, anyone to the US right now or in Canada, you have to go to France because they say, oh, the French bureaucracy, et cetera, et cetera, right? To a certain extent, that is still true. Nowhere near as much as it used to be. And what we do internally at Unicorn, we take care of it all. So you don't have to worry about it. We hand you the keys, here's your desk, get to work. In terms of growth levers, you know, which helped you kind of grow all your business, do you have any recommendation for other SaaS entrepreneurs uh, maybe for who have similar markets as you, similar kind of target audience in the B2B, kind of B2C space. Uh, what have you seen, you know, work really well for you guys? 
So um, the really interesting thing about our business, and I think this is true for all businesses, is that the marketing channels change over time. You know, in, the, in those early days, you can do a webinar with, you know, 50 people and, and make enough sales where it actually like moves the needle. Um, so early, early days, we were doing lots of webinars. Um, we, we had an affiliate program that worked pretty well. Um, you know, getting our, our customers to refer to their friends, that sort of thing. Um, you know, getting people to blog about us, create YouTube videos about us, et cetera. Um, but in the backbone of all of that was our content marketing machine. So we now have five people whose full-time job is to create articles, videos, guides, tutorials, tools, et cetera, for us. Um, so content marketing has been a big source of uh, customers and leads for us. And that was really important for me uh, when we started that. Uh, about three, four years ago was, you know, SEO and content takes a lot of time. And, you know, this is a build a business that I want to build over the next like hundred years. Um, obviously I won't be here, but <laughs> over the next hundred years. So like I needed to establish that really early and I wanted to be the sort of leading voice uh, for the creator community. So I think like for any SaaS business, um, content is just killer. Um, and you, but you got to start it early and it can yeah. take, you know, a year or two years to really build up. So that's kind of been mostly where we focus most of our time. But in the last few years, we've actually been spending a lot more money on paid marketing. So paid marketing wasn't working for us in the first few years, but now it's a huge source of uh, new leads for us. Makes sense. Have you, uh, have you, what would you say have been, you know, maybe the biggest failures in your growth strategies? I know you mentioned like you've done some product launches, you know, maybe not a failure, but have you done any kind of other experiments that you said, you know, you thought would work and maybe isn't worth it for your business? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I would say um, that one of the important things to do is, you know, the thing that work, didn't work last year could definitely work this year and could definitely work the following year. So we're constantly like retesting on things that haven't worked for us. As example, paid marketing didn't work two years ago for us. Um, so similar things like we launched a podcast, we spent almost $50,000 producing it, did a whole season that really was a bust. <laughs> you know, really? didn't, yeah. I think like we didn't have enough distribution probably. And I think we got under a thousand listens per episode, um, which is, which is fine. But I think we were hoping to at least, you know, maybe break even on it or something like that. Um, so that was something that sort of failed for us a couple of years ago, but I don't necessarily think like, I think we could revisit it in a year or something and maybe it will work. Um, what else? Um, you know, we've had things that, we like, for example, we ran an online conference last year, which more than broke even, um, but we're really excited about running it again this year and using all the things that we learned from that original conference and making it better and, and you know, hopefully making it even more profitable for us. Um, but yeah, we're, you know, constantly mm -hmm. revisiting every growth strategy. <laughs> no, no, makes complete sense. Um, and what would you say are some of the biggest challenges right now you'd say in terms of growing or scaling your uh, Podia? So I think, you know, um, there's a bunch of different ones across, you know, every department um, <laughs> and the products and the development department. The biggest things for us is that, you know, we have a very um, technically complicated product. We've got a lot of things going on behind the scenes. Um, so to continue to make it really simple for our customers to use, um, but also to continue to add additional like features and functionality to it, there's this very big balance that we're having to sort of weigh, like, you know, we add this new feature that makes the product more complicated, but also makes, has higher impact, you know, so there's this big product development, um, balance that we're, we're facing right now. Um, but it's been going great. And I think we've sort of, we're, we're treading the line very carefully. Um, you know, in terms of sort of more of the business as a whole, you know, we're, we're hiring a bunch of different positions, uh, mostly lots of developers right now. Um, but it, you know, it's hard to find great 
uh, talent, <laughs> you know, um, in, in tech is, it's just, it's just difficult. Um, sure. and you know, especially for us, we were a fully remote company since day one. And it was very easy for us to differentiate ourselves in the hiring market, because like, if you want to work remote, come work for us. Um, but now like every company is remote and exactly. a lot of companies are going full remote. So there's way more competition for job postings. Um, but we have a really great place to work. So we do get a lot of like good applicants. Um, and then on the marketing side, it's really just about, you know, continuing to scale all of our channels um, and, you know, seeing better numbers this quarter than last quarter. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Cool. So if any, anyone's listening and looking for, for a job, you know, reach out to Spencer. They're hiring. Rails developers. <laughs> Rails developers. Awesome. Who, who is the ideal profile of founders that you're par partnering with? Like, do you have a specific skill set or experience that you look for that, you know, you found to be working best um, and end up succeeding better than others? Um, well, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's funny. Like one of the one of the biggest tells for me normally is if somebody is very secretive, then it's normally like uh, it's a sign that they're going to be very hard to work with because there, I think that off what, what off, like it's one thing to come with me and say, I have the cure for cancer, right? If you have that, you know, you shouldn't even talk to me, just go <laughs> patent it, you know, and you, you'll be fine, right? There's some ideas that they're, they have the market rate waiting for them, right? Most other ideas that, you know, we, we all get, they're kind of lame. And then there are some of them that have, you know, some, some, you know, potential to be good businesses, some to be amazing businesses, some to be, you know, really, really big, uh, you know, century businesses, right? But one thing that um, I always found, uh, uh, you know, as an early warning sign, but who I don't want to work with at least, is somebody who thinks that, you know, they come with their power, you know, the encrypted PowerPoint file, right? Where, uh, you know, it's very hard to even get it and you have to, the NDAs, they're really, really, really secretive. Because that also means that, you know, whatever they, whatever they've tied the whole thing up against and the success of something, it's very fragile because the idea well, it's never going to be the, the thing that's going to make it successful. It's always going to be how it gets treated and how it gets nurtured, as I said, right? And so that needs to be open and free and people need to have access to that, right? Otherwise, uh, you know, you can't actually uh, do much, but then you do that idea. It's so amazing that it's going to go, go uh, to the sky. So that's definitely somebody I'm, I'm trying to avoid. Um, another one that I'm, I'm generally um, kind of uh, that we're kind of trying to avoid are, are people who are um, how can I how can I put this in a in a nice way? Uh, <laughs> people who um, who come with a preconceived notion exactly about what it is that needs to be built and just think that we're an agency, right? That's the the other uh, the other kind of uh, people that we don't work with. Uh, because they basically it become a problem uh, for, for a lot of different reasons. But one of them is that, you know, it, that our kind of, you know, the reason why somebody should partner with us is our ability to, to look at your idea and look at what works and what doesn't work and kind of help you massage that into something that is then useful. Right? Makes sense. The best people we work with is um, there's two types of people that I really love working with. Uh, one is the uh, completely like I've never done this before, but I have have a great insight or I have this, you know, idea that I want to do. I'm not exactly sure how to do that. Like that's a, that's a perfect example of something that's really good to work with because there, a lot of our experience can really help them very quickly, you know, take this, you know, insight or idea or, or, uh, um, or, uh, or 
kind of business uh, um, market they want to attack and re really quickly, uh, you know, establish something and get, get it out there. And then the other one is the, um, the, the very numbers driven, uh, you know, analytical numbers yeah. driven sales guy, right? It just yeah. looks at the numbers and it's kind of doesn't really care about, you know, being secretive and all these other things, but just like look at metrics and it's really good at measuring it has a, has a good, um, uh, has a very good intuition around how to how to approach this, right? Like they can look at something, they know what to derive out of that. They're, they're almost, I think, that they're probably my, my favorite to work with because they're they're very opposite in many ways of the kind of person that I am. Uh, and so, like that complements each other really well because I could then take some of the more fuzzy parts, right, and 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 add to whatever they they comment. So they provide the insights and the analysis of the data, and then I can kind of help them, or we can help them basically you know approach that right yeah so don't be uh don't be close-minded folks don't be secretive come in there with an open mind and uh yeah, yeah. And I, I have that same problem I'm, uh, I'm very analytical so i look at you know numbers data-driven decisions that's a lot of my things so i like to partner myself and be around with other you know uh i would say creative folks such as you know alejandra our producer to help kind of balance that out and i find that helps a lot um do, do these do these founders are they coming to you with the idea and say hey let's do this or are you also going to, you know, validating the idea with the corporations? You talk to Skype and say, hey, uh, Skype says we have this problem. And then you go out and find a, the right entrepreneur to say, hey, can you execute on this with some cash? Here's some equity and, and a team around you to go and execute. Or is it, uh, yeah, which one is it? Or do you, is it yeah. both? It's actually, I mean, to be quite honest, like obviously one of the, the first things that you need to do, whether you build a, a you know, a VC or a, a venture studio or uh, especially venture studio or, or VC, or if you want to be an angel investor, is that you need to be to build. To make sure that you have the right people come by you and introduced to a lot of ideas. So the first thing you know that we've been trying to do, obviously, is to make sure that we that if people have these ideas, that they know where to go, and that could be one one place could be to go to us, obviously. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the first thing, and then obviously. Um, after that, it becomes a question of who you want to do. And you know, they they have they have a, as I said, like an, an insight from an industry. It might be they might be uh, you know in recruitment or something like that. They might have an insight there. So they'll come to us. They have an initial idea. We help them look at that and say, okay, you know, is, is this the right way to approach this? Is is there another way we could be doing that? Uh, other times, um, you know, they as I said, they have might have a market they want to attack and they understand the market really well and they know what is required to build something in that market um, also there i would say that uh, our primary uh, function with them there would be to basically help them build uh, stuff, uh, that uh, can be um what do you call that so basically help them build stuff that could be done uh, in a way that uh, very few other people can do because they don't have this kind of background that we uh, that we do to to approach these kind of uh, products. Mm, makes sense. And then uh, kind of just on adding to that last point of uh, where we were talking about you know some underrated growth strategies that maybe people don't think to apply to their startup and they come to you because you have those two three skills. You know, keep it simple. Um, really good uh, copywriting. Uh, you know, with a nice design. Is there anything else that people can uh, look at when they're first starting off that could make the, the big difference? Uh, to be quite like, especially so, like if you want to start a marketplace, for instance, just as an example, one of the things you know we normally suggest is start a mailing list, right? There's like some really simple ways where you can very quickly get up and validate whether you even have a business. 
I think that's one of the first things actually that that you know a lot more people should be thinking about. You know, you don't necessarily need an app to begin with. You might just need an or, or a website for that matter, right? Or you might be able to to do your whole service just doing text, right? So there is there is to begin with. It's like what really matters is you're trying to figure out whether there is a business here or not. When there's some people who's willing to either spend time or spend money uh, to you know participate in whatever it is that you're trying to build, right? And so if you can. Uh, you know, if you can validate that very quickly, you know, then you can figure out whether it's even worth, you know, going to the next step. So I would say that's one of the, uh, the, the, the primary pieces of advice I would always give is don't don't just assume you need a map or a website or something like that. Figure out what it's really what you're really trying to to solve here or optimize or figure out, and then find the fastest way you can do that without even having to, you know, to come to someone like us. You know, you don't ha even have to do that to be quite honest. Often, uh, if you approach this weekend hacker, which is this um, kind of place for uh, people to exchange um, skills, you know, I, I'm a designer, I have design skills, but I need some uh, development skills. That was started, you know, literally by I posted something on on Hacker News, right? And then I had a mailing list set up, and before I knew it, I had like 8,000 people on the mailing list, right? And then yeah. that, after that, we turned that into a website, and, and we probably even did that too early, to be quite honest, right? But but there's there's many things you can do because a lot of at the end of the day you you know especially if you're building marketplaces or social networks stuff like that it's really about you know putting people together giving mm -hmm. them a forum to basically uh, be in uh, when it comes to um, you know other types of businesses tech business stuff like that again it, it really comes down to uh, as I said like clear communication to be quite honest um, and uh, that could be done uh, many different ways obviously one of them is uh, is design. Another one is, you know, make something extremely easy to use. Avoid uh, what we call empty dance floor. You know, it's basically that when you log on to a service of some sort, you know, that you don't feel that there's nobody there at all, right? But there, there's some something to get you started or something that keeps you engaged. Mm. Um, there's a bunch of things you can do there, like when it comes to onboarding, where uh, I would say that that could that could help you tremendously. Um, you know, experiencing growth at least. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, build a company that uh, where you where you understand why you you build it, right? Where you can kind of you have, your intuition works for you that you can make right decisions, which I think is often underappreciated because it's always about you know finding that market opportunity you're looking for for a specific market. But you know, some people we work with, some companies, they came to us with one idea about wanting to do um, you know a a mark. Uh, advertising engine for uh, for uh, for the real estate uh, world, right? And it was like an architect company. And then we started talking to them. It's like, well, what's your background? Like, do you have any technology background that allows you to build like this ad tech thing you want to do? And no, they didn't, right? And so we ended up, you know, saying, well, what 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 can you guys do, right? What do you actually have? What, is, what are your superpowers that, you know, nobody else have? Mm -hmm. And then we basically worked with them towards something completely different, right? Which was like, uh, you know, they, they had a lot of connections to a lot of different, Types of experts, and that actually allowed them to kind of build a a referral network for uh, for you know these types of people in the in the real estate world, right? So again, there's there's always these simple things that works really well, and then there is some cl clever things, the growth hacks that we all know about that Airbnb did or Reddit and stuff like that, obviously. But I think often it's like keep it extremely simple and figure out if there's even a signal, if there's even somebody who wants your stuff. And then, you know, if, if you find that, which is one person, then find two people and then find four people and then find eight, you know. And so that's, I think, would be my, my, my basic advice there. 
So uh, final question from my side, and I think it uh, goes back to those early days of being an entrepreneur through hustle and trying to figure it yeah. out with very limited constraints. So I think constraints are super important and it helps you kind of, you know, forces you to make decisions a lot clearer and faster. So two things, you have a financial constraint and a time constraint. It's just hypothetical. Let's say you have, a, you know, $1,000 and you don't have your existing network of these, these corporations you can speak with and validate your idea. You need to build an MVP of your product. It'd be very, very simple. But you have two weeks to go out there uh, and get your first customer. Just one customer, you said, right? One, then you get two, then three. Just number one. Where do you allocate that that thousand dollars and time? Where are you focusing your time and money to make that happen? Oh, so uh, well, time-wise, well, again, obviously it depends on what kind of business, right? But so sure. I would actually come back to my initial uh, like weekend hacker example, right? Like. But that was, as, you know, basically setting up a mailing list, uh, and then I never went out and even I didn't spend a dollar on that until I had to, you know, basically pay, start paying uh, Mailchimp for having too many people in my mailing list, right? So mm -hmm. I'll probably start with something like that, to be quite honest. Um, if I only had a thousand there, I would find the the cheapest way to establish, uh, uh, you know, a, a user base. That would probably be something like a mailing list, right? And then I would try to figure out what. Could I connect people around? Um, so and then you know spend a little bit of time setting up a website. But you, even that kind of stuff today, you know, again, design. There's most design is solved, right? It's, it's not like that. There is like some unique, you know, uh, way to uh, have people uh, be onboarded to your website. A lot of these design patterns are already established. So I probably would even be so lazy as I would go out and find an existing template. To be quite honest, of something, mm -hmm. just yeah. change you know a little bit, have a logo, maybe change some colors. Obviously. Do some work with the with the um, with the text, and then um, yeah, I would I would like figure out what I could convince people. Maybe I have five hundred dollars left. I would spend them on Facebook ads and Google uh, Google ads, and see you know if there's any uh, givers and takers there. I think that's the way I would probably approach that. Nice. So build a simple page, you know, get some email lists going on, and then find a way to drive traffic. You know, paid five hundred bucks through Google or ads, and see if people are subscribing and engaging. Yeah, interest. I mean, something like that. That that would yeah. be the that, that would be the right way I think to approach that. And that could because you can pivot a thousand times with this, right? Exactly. Thank you all for watching this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at Horizon Capital and myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please comment down below and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and see you on the next one.